let us come before God with the prayer of illumination. Sovereign God, let your word rule our hearts until at last we see the fulfillment of your realm of justice and peace. We pray pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our first reading is from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, chapter 17, reading verse 57, and chapter 18, reading verse 5. On David's return from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword and his bow and his belt. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. As a result, Saul set him over the army, and all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. Our next reading is from the Old Testament, Psalm 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord, whom dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See what I suffer from those who hate me. You are the one who lifts me up from the gates of death. So that I may recount all your praises and in the gates of daughter Zion rejoice in your deliverance. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid is their own foot been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall depart to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor perish forever. Rise up, O Lord. Do not let mortals prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are only human. Our next reading is from Second Corinthians, chapter 6, reading verses 1 to 13. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way. 
so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way. Through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see, we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affection, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children. Open wide your hearts also. Our final reading is from the New Testament, Mark chapter 4, reading verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with them. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. And a special thank you to Angela Matthews for reading scriptures this morning. Um, we're blessed here at Knox, or pardon me, we're blessed here at St. John's. For, uh, to have all of the uh, people who are willing to share with us in the uh, in the performance of worship and recording scriptures and sending them in. And every now and then, technology goes a little sideways. That's what I would normally say, and this morning, quite literally, it did. But uh, we're grateful uh, for Angela for reading, even if we didn't get to see her this morning. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As Christians, sometimes we struggle with the miracles of Jesus. We teach these stories to our children, of course, in the church school, because children have this unique gift. They are able to witness and to comprehend awe. And yet, that's a gift that we lose As we age and as we get older, we lose that sense of awe and wonder. And we become all too eager to take these stories of the miracles of Jesus and they turn from being the stories that we teach children to being considered childish. We seek to remove any sense of awe that there might be in the story and insert in its place some sort of rational explanation for the unexplainable 
mystery of God. Rather than trusting in a God who can divide the waters of the Red Sea, we search ancient manuscripts for some strange meteorological event that will explain why the waters separated one from the other and remove the mystery. Rather than having a Jesus who gets out of the boat and walks among the waves, we posit that there must have been a sandbar or a hidden shoal there that allowed Jesus to stand on more or less on land as he appeared to walk before on the water before his disciples. Or rather than having a Jesus who commands the tempest to be still, we are prone to assert that the boat simply made its way around the headlands and was sheltered from the storm in a tranquil bay. And yet that's not what our scriptures say. Our sacred texts do not do that. They do not attempt to move to the explanation and remove the awe. Our ancient ancestors in the faith did not seek to explain away the power of Jesus. No, indeed, these stories that I just mentioned and many others were placed there in the canon of Scripture precisely because they bear witness to the power of Jesus. And the questions that arise from these stories are important ones for us. Questions like those that are posited by the disciples this morning. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. And Jesus questioned to the disciples, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? The story that we read this morning is indeed a simple one. The peril of those who go down to the seas in ships. Anyone who has grown up in a seafaring area understands the danger that is, that is found in traveling across water. And yet, we get the sense here in this story that there's more, perhaps, than just the danger of the sea at play. Mark leads us to wonder if this is more than just the run-of-a-mill storm that is happening. Jesus and his disciples, you see, depart the shore in a boat accompanied by other vessels, Mark tells us. But once this storm blows up, the other boats all seem to fall away. They don't seem to be anywhere nearby. All that we are left with is this one boat, the boat that carries Jesus and his disciples, and it is tossed about by the storm. For at least some of Jesus' disciples, this should not have been a strange experience. For some of Jesus' disciples, this was home. Simon and Andrew, James and John had fished these waters before they had been called away by Jesus. Perhaps, indeed, they should have known the sheltered cove into which they could, they could seek refuge. And yet they seem to have no answer to this gathering storm. 
they too turn in fear to Jesus. And when Jesus is finally awakened in the boat, he chastises the storm. Peace, be still. With the same words, the same command that Jesus used back in the earlier chapters of Mark's gospel to heal the man who was possessed with an unclean spirit. That first miracle that Jesus performs in Mark's gospel. These facts about the the failure of the sailors amongst Jesus' disciples to actually feel like sailors, and this similarity of, of this echoing of Jesus' commandments to the unclean spirit in the earlier passages, has led some scholars to believe that this is no ordinary storm. As Matthew Skinner, the professor of the New, of New Testament at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, noted in a podcast on these texts earlier this week, he said, perhaps we have to re-haunt the world, the world for our people in discussing this text. We have to draw back on that image of, the, of Jesus' first miracle and the healing and come to the conclusion that this storm is no ordinary storm, but rather it arises as a test to the disciples. And there the disciples cannot just turn into the waves. The power of this storm is not just the power of wind and wave, but the temptation that we all face from time to time. The temptation that Jesus raises before them when he asks the question, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? The contemporary philosopher Richard Swinburne defines a miracle as this, a violation of the law of nature by God. Here in this story from Mark's Gospel, we have just such a miracle. In this story, Jesus violates the law of nature. As the disciples declare in the final verse, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea would obey him? Jesus commands the natural forces to cease. And they respond. We believe in a God who is sovereign in all things. If it were not so, we would not have faith in a God at all. It is an existential reality of God, is it not? That if we were able to explain away the things that God does, then God would no longer be a God. God would just be us, rational and explainable. But it is exactly in the incomprehensibleness of the power of God that we are able to see and identify the divine. Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Who is it that is able to exercise a power that we do not have and that we cannot possibly fathom? 
only God. We've been through a long year. We have worried about many things over the past 16 months or so. We've worried about how to ensure that we were kept safe as well as being concerned with the safety of others. And that that has led us to remain distant from one another, to wear masks and to be respectful of boundaries. But beyond that, we have placed our trust in a God who has promised to love and protect us, confident that God would be our companion, our protector, and our guide through uncharted waters. That is the reason that we never ceased to worship in this place. We may have been distant one from another, but the need to hear of the presence and the promise of God remained vital for all of us, and indeed perhaps more so than ever before, as we've made it through these 15 months. But Jesus and our experience has not been limited to this year alone either, has it? Our Lord is near to us whenever we are in need. In those long, dark nights of the soul when worry prevents sleep and we're caught up in that endless loop of worry and what-ifs, Jesus is there to comfort us if we would call upon him. Or as Paul lists all of those conditions in 2 Corinthians, all of those sufferings that had been gone on in his life or in the lives of other men and women of faith down through the ages. They have been able to bear all things because God is with us. And in Jesus, we have the recognition of God's power in our lives. Power to protect us and to save us and to see us through the challenges of this life into the tempest of this life. Jesus speaks to you. Peace be with you. Peace be still. May we have ears with which to hear this declaration of peace. And may we find stillness for our hearts. Amen.